The border region between Russia and Ukraine has been in a long-simmering conflict since 2014. But over the past few weeks, there have been signs things might be escalating. Russia's military has been moving thousands of troops towards the border, while Ukrainian forces prepare for potential action. These movements have concerned NATO and its members. Russia must end this military buildup in and around Ukraine, stop its provocations, and de-escalate immediately. But Russia says its actions are internal and a response to its own security concerns. In response to the alliance's military activities that threaten Russia, we took appropriate measures. So what's actually happening at the border? And will it lead to a full-fledged war? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. To answer these questions, we spoke with Mansour Mirovalev, a freelance reporter who covers Russia and Ukraine for several news outlets, including Al Jazeera. Mansour, welcome back to The Take. It is really good to have you back here to walk us through this latest story. For weeks now, observers have been warning about the potential for conflict at the Ukraine-Russia border, and it's because of a troop buildup. Can you tell me more about that? When did this buildup start? What does it look like? And how do we know what's actually happening? The buildup began several weeks ago, gradually, and it is concentrated in two areas. The first one is around the western Russian city of Voronezh, which is pretty close to the Ukrainian border. And the second site is Crimea, the Black Sea Peninsula Russia annexed seven years ago. There is satellite images that shows the growing presence of uh, Russian troops. And the Ukrainian officials say there is up to 40,000 servicemen in each of those areas. And Mansour says there was another source pointing to a troop buildup. Social media. There is uh, a lot of amateur videos taken by, you know, passers-by. When you see all of a sudden dozens of APCs rolling by, or you see a train with lots of tanks heading to the bridge that connects mainland Russia to annexed Crimea, you take out your cell phone, you make a quick video and you post it online. And what does Russia say about this troop buildup? Russia says, mind your own business, we're moving our own troops on our own territory. So stay away. And they have a point, right? So what is the cause for concern? Well, the point is that Russia says the troops are there for drills, but there hasn't been such a concentration of troops in uh, uh, those areas since 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea and when it started uh, supporting pro-Moscow separatists in southeastern Ukraine in two breakaway regions of uh, Donetsk and Luhansk, collectively known as Donbass. These movements at the border are an escalation of a conflict that's been taking place between Russia and Ukraine for seven years. As Mansour mentioned, that's when Russia annexed Crimea. 
Russian troops invaded and successfully seized Crimea. Moscow sealed the annexation with a referendum in which majority of Crimeans voted to rejoin Russia, a vote condemned by the West. At that time, Russia was also lending its support to separatists in Ukraine's southeast region, Donbass. The conflict uh, started in 2014, almost exactly seven years ago. There were groups of uh, pro-Russian activists. They called themselves self-defense militants. They were armed and they started seizing government offices. They seized the the city administration buildings in uh, Donetsk and Luhansk. And then they held two so-called referendums where locals voted for Firstly, for their independence from Ukraine, and secondly, for their burning desire to reunite with Russia the way Crimea did just months earlier. Mansour reported from both Crimea and Donbass in 2014, when the conflict was at its peak. And he told us about some key differences he noticed between the regions. In Crimea, it was clear from the very start that Russia is going to annex it because it is just a jewel in the crown and it just looks like a major trophy. Donbass is very different because it's a rust belt area. It used to be extremely prosperous in the Soviet era because it's a a major coal mining slash steel making area and coal miners were the rock stars of the communist regime. And uh, In the 90s, these coal miners found themselves destitute, you know, dirt poor. And of course, they blamed the post-Soviet Ukrainian government on their troubles. Given that most of them spoke Russian, they were naturally very pro-Moscow. Over the years in Donbass, there have been ceasefires and thousands of violations of those ceasefires. But while the last few weeks might signal an escalation, Mansour says the situation is different from the annexation of Crimea in 2014. My impression was that Putin does not want Donbass to become part of Russia. He wants to keep it as this buffer state. These are two absolutely totalitarian, absolutely economically helpless statelets between uh, Ukraine and Russia. But Putin wants them that way. He wants to keep them as these chronic ulcers because all you have to do when you want this ulcer to bleed, you just poke it a little bit. It's bleeding again and it ruins all the pro-Western hopes in Ukraine. So why poke this ulcer now? Mansour says there are a few different reasons why Russia might be moving more troops towards the border. First of all, there is a lot of international noise and media buzz about the jailing of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. In Russia, police have detained some supporters of the opposition politician Alexei Navalny outside the prison where he's serving a jail sentence. Mr Navalny, who's on hunger strike, is said by his lawyer to be seriously ill. And obviously Putin wants to distract the world from this guy. Secondly, Mansour says there's a dispute between Russia and Ukraine over water to Crimea. Putin realizes that there is a major environmental disaster unfolding in annexed Crimea because several months after the annexation, Ukraine dammed 
a major canal that provided up to 85% of water for the peninsula. Crimea rejoined Russia. Ukraine had cut off the water that runs into this region's main canal. Just a few puddles of stagnant water. That's all that remains now in the North Crimean Canal. When you look at a map, Crimea looks like this post-Soviet Florida because it's a beautiful peninsula deep in the Black Sea. The, the south is subtropical and so it's a paradise for Russians because, you know, two-thirds of Russia is permafrost. But if you look closer, the, the peninsula is very arid, so the close-down of the canal caused severe water shortages for the general population. While the dam has been blocked for years, the situation is now more dire than ever, following a severe drought last year. Pro-Russian authorities began rationing water in Crimea's largest cities in winter, which speaks volumes about the possible situation in the summer. Mansour says President Putin wants Ukraine to restore the water supply. So that could be another reason behind the buildup. And third on the list of possible reasons for the amassing of troops at the border, a move by Ukraine's president in February to root out Russian influence from the country. Earlier this year, Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, made a controversial attempt to ban a few pro-Russian media outlets in the country. What was behind that move? Is it related at all to what's happening at the border? Yes, it is. There is a powerful oligarch in Ukraine. His last name is Medvedchuk. Medvedchuk's uh, daughter was baptized by Putin. So he is the best pal of the Russian president in Ukraine. He owned three major television networks in Ukraine. They had a pretty interesting way of covering things. They uh, didn't resort to direct pro-Russian propaganda. They preferred to diversify their sources. They invited all sorts of different speakers. But when they talked about the separatist conflict and when they talked about Crimea, they never called it, you know, a separatist war. They, they never called it an annexation. The choice to shut down the channels was controversial and widely criticized, both within Ukraine and outside of it. It came as Zelensky's own popularity was dipping. And it also came as Zelensky renewed a push for Ukraine to join NATO. Days before Ukraine sanctioned those channels, Zelensky spoke with the American news outlet Axios. And he said he had one question for newly inaugurated U.S. President Joe Biden. Mr. President, why we are not in NATO yet? So there is another player involved in this dispute, and that is NATO. Ukraine's Zelensky has been quite public about his desire for Ukraine to join the organization. Why is that? Zelensky is desperate because he realizes that the, the Ukrainian army on its own cannot stand up to the Russians, although the army is a lot stronger than it had been in 2014 when it was disorganized and very badly armed. But he knows that the new Iron Curtain of Europe lies in Ukraine and Putin wants Ukraine back to Russia's political orbit. And as the conflict escalates, Ukraine has been pushing even harder for acceptance to NATO. 
Kiev wants NATO to fast-track its request for membership of the alliance. Ukraine's president says such a move would help end the conflict with Russia by sending a clear message to Moscow that Ukraine's sovereignty could not be threatened. But Mansour says it's unlikely Ukraine will be joining NATO anytime soon. Ukraine is a bit too big and a bit too complicated for NATO and the European Union. Ukraine is huge. It is poor and its uh, political establishment is very corrupt. So the West is in a certain way tired of Ukraine's chronic and unsolvable problems. Still, on April 13th, Ukraine's foreign minister met with NATO Secretary General to talk about the international alliance's role in the Ukraine-Russia relationship. Ukraine's foreign minister said NATO must respond to what he called a threat of war. Russia will not be able to catch anyone by surprise anymore. But in Russia earlier this month, a Kremlin spokesman warned that movement of NATO troops to Ukraine would only escalate things. Such a scenario would lead to a further increase of tension near the Russian border. Of course, this will require additional security measures from the Russian side. So Zelensky says the way out of this conflict depends on NATO. But Russia and Russian officials have said their military movements are a response to NATO and its members. Russia is predictably enraged. It doesn't want, of course, a NATO military base right on its border. And Russia sees NATO as the very old, very big foe. It's a traditional enemy. This concern about NATO comes as Russia reconfigures its relationship with one of the alliance's most vocal members, the United States. President Biden authorized sweeping new sanctions against Russia. The U.S. is also expelling Russian diplomats and intelligence officials. In language reminiscent of Cold War hostilities, Russia's deputy foreign minister called the U.S. quote our adversary. And Russia's defense minister said his nation's armed forces were ready to face any provocation. So in a phone call on April 13th between U.S. President Joe Biden and Russian President Vladimir Putin, Biden called on Russia to de-escalate the situation at the border. Do you think that's even possible at this point? It is uh, absolutely possible and everything depends on just one guy, Mr. Putin, because all the preparations for the war, all the logistical preparations are done. There is almost 80,000 Russian servicemen standing next to Ukraine with plenty of tanks and APCs and artillery. And everything depends on Putin. Mansour says if anything big does happen, it likely will be dependent on the weather as the snow thaws in Donbass. Putin may choose to invade probably in mid-May when the roads and the, the soil are dry enough for the tanks and the APCs. But Putin may also choose to de-escalate the situation by getting some concessions, both from Ukraine and from the West. So he is a poker player. Unfortunately, Biden blinked first when he called him first and when he said, oh, look, Vladimir, you know, just take a step back. Let's come down. Let's talk things over. Maybe we will sort uh, things out. The escalation so far is not irreversible. No shots have been uh, fired, and hopefully things will 
be sorted out and things will calm down. But again, everything depends on Putin. And everything also depends on how tough the West, personified by Biden or by the NATO chief, how tough the West will be on him. And that's The Take. You can find more of Mansoor's reporting on aljazeera.com. This episode was produced by Nagin Oliay with Alexandra Locke, Dina Kispe, Priyanka Tilbe, Ney Alvarez, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Tom Pinton is our story editor. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. And Stacey Samuel is our executive producer. We'll be back.